0: Binge Mode with Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion is here to take you on a deep dive of all of your favorite franchises. Check out the recently wrapped Marvel season or check out older seasons on Thrones, Harry Potter, and more. Check out Binge Mode Marvel on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And for all Binge Mode seasons, head on over to Spotify. There's no
1: better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that.
0: listeners welcome this is sound only i'm justin charity and i'm Micah peters we're your sound only co-hosts here to record our deepest darkest thoughts about superheroes uh. we we we're, we're doing okay here's the thing uh. we're doing we're doing a very special episode of this podcast we are going to have this week. We're, we're gonna like maybe address some stuff that listeners have written into the show because we get a lot of thoughtful stuff. You know, we can do a proper mailbag episode if people want to start writing in, we can get mailbag stuff together. But um I think we have talked in recent episodes enough about various superhero properties, right? What would we count among them? Invincible, Snyder Cut, Wandavision, Wandavision. Uh, Falcon
1: and the Winter Soldier. Right.
0: Um, and a lot of our listeners, you know, a lot of our listeners like that, like, like, you know, the cinematic universe stuff, also just comic books, like the actual source material for this stuff. Right. It's very clear yeah. in the email that we get. Um, And I think I said this when we did the Attack on Titan episode. Right. So for a while, I was so reticent about Attack on Titan. I was sort of bored by the first season. I'm also just whiny. You have
1: you have, you have whiny ass opinions about the second season that I, you know, I've I'm reticent to agree with, but yeah,
0: you know. I, I'm whiny, I'm a hater, whatever. But again, one thing about this podcast, especially as we get a clearer sense of like the kind of people who listen to this podcast and what they're into, is like I take seriously when people write into us and they're like, Yeah, I see where you're coming from, especially because people are so receptive for the fact that we are two hating ass haters (laughs) um we we do not Uh, get a lot of feedback that's people being like i can't believe you
1: you know yeah i yeah it's just like it is it is very appreciative and thoughtful and loving i i really do it's it's good you know it's for for considering the negative uh, we uh, considering that we thrive off negativity
0: (laughs) yeah and it's not even people being you know it's a lot of people just laying out that they disagree with us or whatever, or or offering a different perspective on stuff, but it's always very much people getting um where we're coming from as haters sometimes <laughs> and appreciating <laughs> that energy. You know what I mean? And in the same spirit of how we did that attack on Titan Up, like I, I do want to talk more about and unpack more, frankly. At least my objections Your, to superheroes. <laughs> with but, but but in this format, just because I think this could be an opportunity for us to talk about our thoughts and feelings about this stuff without it, without it being bringing,
1: us, without without us carrying preconceptions into another new thing. Yeah, a that, particular
0: thing. I don't want to take yeah, it out on a particular thing because I yeah. I know like okay, I had this conversation with. A former, like a friend and a former college roommate of mine And I think he was initially asking about Jupiter's legacy And whether we'd talk about Jupiter's legacy on the pod And then we had this, we got into this long discussion Where he's just like, you know, Fred, like, Freddie's known me for a long time We were roommates in college He knows me very well He knows my hating ass haterdom He too, if he's being honest with himself, is a hate and ass hater uh, it's just I'm in a different league, baby.
1: Um, <laughs> wait, Jupiter's Legacy is that is that is that's the new Netflix thing with Josh Duhamel and the and the and yep. the and the Gerald hair. Yeah, uh, yeah, okay. Right.
0: And, the, and and it's one of those shows where it's a superhero thing, but it is, you know, capital I interesting, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, it's another take. Mm-hmm. And to mm-hmm. me, I guess my thought was, I I assumed neither you or I would necessarily want to want to sort of. I don't know. I think it might be helpful considering how salty I get during conversations about particular superhero things to not not take it out on a particular show and instead have a general conversation. Um, But in a conversation I was having this weekend with my former mate Freddie, you know, he was making a point that we can work through. And he was saying that, like, look, we talk about Marvel and we talk about D.C., And we talk about the current superhero trend as a trend, right? We talk about it as this super saturation in the market for just popular entertainment, popular stories about superheroes, as if it's a new thing. And Freddie's point is that, one, obviously, you know, it's its its own industry. Right. It's its own. And it's been its own industry for a long time. Or like the idea of, hey, we can make a lot of money and find a broader audience by adapting a comic book right, a comic book run to the big screen is not that new of an idea. And I think even more so, Freddie's point is that just take the idea, like, forget Marvel and DC in particular, and take the idea of telling a story about a person or about people with supernatural abilities. That even more so is not a new idea. When you're reading something like Greek mythology, that's more or less what you are reading, right? Sure. Um... And so I think if if and I think that's like a common sentiment, right, in our emails too, is that sense of
1: this is not this is hardly a new thing and you know it's going to be here for a while. So what is the issue
0: actually? Right. And I actually first want you to talk cuz you are somebody who has a sense of comics as comics. And yes. Yeah, and, and I mean I know we've talked through individual properties and adaptations but just in general how are you feeling now about like what do you get out of all of these adaptations? Honestly
1: so what I what I feel generally towards like most of these adaptations is like kind of a level of exhaustion just I mean more or less that these things are going to continue happening whether I participate in them or not but if one is passing by and oh it looks interesting maybe I'll grab onto it for like a couple of episodes at a time but then you know sometimes I fall off and don't actually finish the you know whatever this new Netflix series is it's more or less like you know liking the 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 genre of story liking like these like you said tales about people that happen to have supernatural abilities is like the mode of story that I actually tend to like not like something with great amounts of lore in it that you have to know a whole lot about yeah um, in order to participate you know
0: yeah but do you do you get the same thing out of reading versus watching or do you get different Things do they do different? The different formats do different things for you.
1: Sure, I mean, there's just a that like it's storytelling can be different. Like if you're if you're talking about and like on the page, say for instance, like for like Jonathan Hickman would not translate well to TV. Like if you're trying to make East of West into a television show, it wouldn't work. But with like east of west he gets to build this entire world from the ground up yeah can you in, explain it
0: can you explain yeah
1: um it's a version of the world where there's like all of the eastern and Western religions have interlocking apocrypha and there is one true religion that is like you know servants of the word or like, you know, there's, there's the word, the living word, the message. And the message is basically like the book of revelations for all intents and purposes. This is how the world is going to end. And this is how it should proceed. Now the world is like the United States is broken up into the Republic of Texas, the kingdom of new Orleans. um, I, the, the endless nation, uh, which are like, um, the native Americans. And like, there's like the, they're the, like literally the house of Mao, the Maoists. (laughs) Um, and I think that there's also like whatever we understand as the United States, um, is almost entirely in the Northeast. And then there's like, the South region that I can't remember the name of. And that's like the Southeast. And and like, it's basically this really long story about death and the bride of death (laughs) who have a child against the wishes of the other, the rest of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And it's kind of a love story. But it's kind of a story about revenge and reconciliation. And, but then there's all this other crazy shit going on about, um, the, uh, about like this crazy world that he created. <laughs> you know, there's, uh, political intrigue in it too. Um, but also just the way that Hickman writes is like very, you know, involved and like Shakespearean. So it's. It doesn't really work like translating it to dialogue for television.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask that. Like, what about it specifically? So you're saying, the di- okay.
1: Yeah, like, but then something like if you took Black Bolt by Saladin Ahmed, like the way that that comic is written, because Black Bolt can't speak and a lot of the dialogue is sparse, but also like fairly expositional, like almost poetic, you could see like that working very well for TV. Like, having the visual representation of him confronting the jailer and the psychic prison would probably be insane. And there's like more things that you can do with perspective and sound design. And like it's, there's less explained like than there is in East of West. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. One, one of the things that I was working through um, when I was talking with Freddie about this right, is the idea that they're like, you're, you're gesturing at a constraint. You, you're saying, here's a story that works in this one format. It doesn't work in another format. One of the things I was working through is this idea that I think a lot of people take the superhero concept and they say, well, what's the problem? You can do a lot of stuff within that. superhero. Mm-hmm. That's a very loose premise. You can go in any number of directions. How could you possibly be exhausted by it considering the variety of directions that people are going with this? And I don't know that I agree with that. I think that once, you, once you've decided that you were doing a superhero story. Yeah, there's variety within that that you can execute, uh, or doing a superhero story for TV or film, Mm -hmm. right? There's variety within that, but that's still like, I've always thought of that as still a very particular idea. Once you've decided that you have protagonists or you have like driving characters with superpowers, I do think you've closed off a great deal of other kinds of stories you could tell. Which would be one thing on a case by case basis. I think the the where my frustration comes in is when 50% of popular culture made today has to be <laughs> <a superhero laughs> has to be a, story. a superhero
1: story. There has it has to be like I mean it's it's all about the IP at this point, you know? The But yeah, I mean like I think that your problem with superhero stories is less has to do with like like saturation than it has to do with the serialization of it like if you have to more or less read into it like if you have like if there if you if it takes a lot of getting up to speed that seems like what you seem to resent most about it Like yeah
0: yeah like, I actually felt this acutely. And we only talked about this briefly in the pod. I felt this most acutely when I watched Avengers Endgame. Um like I, I thought Avengers Endgame was about as bad as The Rise of Skywalker was. Even though no one talks about Avengers Endgame that way, that way. And I just I had this, I had this resentment when I watched it. I, I was like, okay. I really had to watch. Ten other movies to get and develop to develop
1: an investment in the story in order to have like you know the tearful cheery moment when uh when uh Doctor Strange's portals start opening up and like everybody in the theater is like. <gasps> and uh you know it's like don't worry you're not alone right when Captain America looks like he's about to die and like you're just like rolling your eyes like as this is happening
0: I will I I, listen I'm bitter I'm not that I, I don't know that I'm rolling my eyes but it's it's more that I think the popular way to talk about the current moment of superhero stuff is oh it's a saturation you either are loving it or you're hating it and to me I don't know that I would mind the saturation like I think it's more, it's like you said, it's a serialization and it's also how deep we are into it. We're, we're two decades deep into this saturation. And I think that, look, if we were in a world where even if you wanted to make it so that every single superhero that gets their own franchise or gets their own sub franchise gets a trilogy, even that would be better than what we actually have, which is, they all get trilogies, and then all the trilogies are related to each other, and then they're the crossover <laughs> event movies. And then if you try to, you you literally end up looking like Charlie Day at the whiteboard mapping out the conspiracy <laughs> theories of all these movies. And so, it and and I felt this too, like I, when I I wrote a piece panning Falcon and the Winter Soldier, a lot of people liked that piece, but like you know I did feel the sense that the people who who were more so incensed by my argument in that piece it was all some variation of, well, if you understood Sam Wilson in volume 76 (laughs) of some comic, you don't give a shit about. Yeah. And it's it's like, that's the thing. That's the thing. It's it's, it's like you,
1: it's, it's really like, yeah, the, uh, the thing about the serialization of it is that like, there is such a, like it's, you, you miss what is actually, what you're actually looking at on the screen and whether or not it has entered, like, like, it has value as a piece of entertainment, whether or not it's fun to watch because you're reading all the stuff onto it.
0: Or fun to watch, or even just coherent on its own terms, right? Because when yeah. when the, argu- the counter-arguments become stuff like, well, seven movies ago, or in 1995, during this one-artist comic run on this character, this was explained, to me it's like, look, you guys are the ones that wanted to... to Turn these things into movies Like if this was just comic books And you wanted to sort of refer back to the comic books And that's the world we lived in We would all be at peace It's the fact that these things now exist as cinematic universes And I'm engaging with the actual cinematic universe And I can't help you If it was explained better in the comics Because apparently They ain't attacked the comic that well then <laughs> You know what I mean uh, But I also think that I think maybe, um, I don't know. We talk about man. We talk about like manga on this podcast. Right. And yeah. I, you know, I, kn- I definitely know a kind of person who is, if they have beef with comic book stuff, it's because they're one of those anime supremacists, right? Like they're one of those weebs who are just, they like manga and they don't like American or they don't like Western comic book stuff. they like, they like Japanese animation. and They don't like Western animation. I, that's not, I don't think that's where I'm coming from. Uh, yeah, there's there's strains of it in your argument it, yeah of I, I think there but, are. it's
1: like the, but, 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 but <laughs> you know I, but I don't think that that is you know the, the whole of your argument, because you do have a lot of disdain for western animation. Let's be let's be frank
0: let's I, I do. That's a bias I have. and again, part of this episode is me like I think the two of us trying to clarify our biases about certain things a bit. But, if 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 you'll humor me, I can offer a point of comparison, right? Well, first of all, I want to offer a caveat, which is, and this is the most important caveat, I think, in all of criticism. It's the caveat everyone always forgets to make when writing about almost everything. And the caveat is this. People age. Right? <laughs> like, I didn't have this hate in my heart when Spider-Man 2 <laughs> was in theaters. Right? Uh... And that's that's two parts. One is because we were only so many years deep into, you know, we were only the X-Men movies and Spider-Man deep and Batman being rebooted over and over again.
1: But then, you know, the little dance in front of the in front of that little place uh, that in front of the little reception office you know, metastasized in you and you just began to hate all the the nonsense. Yeah, I I feel you. You It's like you get
0: older. It's like, one, it's like a temporal thing. It's okay, we've put up with, you know, it's been however many years since Spider-Man 2. I have a little less patience. And also, I'm just older, right? It's easier to sell me on comic book stuff, obviously, Mm
1: -hmm. when
0: I am a preteen or a teen than it is to sell me now in my 30s. That's one thing. That is the caveat I will totally make. That it's perfectly fine, we get older, but just because we get like we are replaced by people who are younger than us, and then they become the target audience for the things that we used to be the target audience for. I get it. I'm at peace with that. (laughs) But if I may offer a point of comparison Star Wars. So we've talked in other episodes, (laughs) we talked when we talked about Rise of Skywalker, right? Sure. Like Star Wars was my thing. I was a huge Star Wars nerd growing up, I love Star Wars. Yes, I fell asleep during Attack of the Clones in theaters. That's how bad that movie is. I was a child. I was a young, impressionable child. The, like the day after that movie came out, and I fell asleep. However, in general, ask Ben Lindbergh, who I went to R- Rear Podcast Network host and writer, Ben Lindbergh, freshman year of college, he and I bonded over Star Wars, New South Third Floor, Georgetown University, Holla. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but oh, like man. I used to love Star Wars I love Star Wars Through when the movies Turned to nonsense During the prequels Again say for Attack of the Clones um, And like You would think Right You would think That Whatever I feel about Comic book stuff Adaptations Since I, I didn't grow up On comic books I don't care Right You would think mm-hmm. Okay Well my version of this is Everything has to be A Star Wars movie now There have to be three new Star Wars movies and TV shows out per year. I don't like that either, though. <laughs> I don't like that saturation either. And that's, that's a case where I actually do understand the serialization. I actually do understand all the references. I understand the lore. I understand all the stuff that's supposedly what's prohibitive with me for comic book stuff. And guess mm-hmm. what? I still don't like that there's, all, they, there's too much Star Wars in the world either. Right, yeah. I'm. I'm yeah, just saying is, it's. It's not just genre bias in my case. I think
1: that's true. That that's that's true. You. I mean, like you did. You do. You do have like you do share the yeah. I like I. I will. I will, I will corroborate that. That's that's true. Um.
0: Okay, what's, your, what's your experience with Star Wars? Because that is the other thing other than superhero stuff is, is 50% of pop culture now is superhero stuff and then 20% of pop culture is Star Wars spinoffs.
1: Yes. Uh, Star, Star Wars anthology series. Um. Reboots and extensions of the whatever. Yeah. The thing is, is that my, I, I also like saw the prequels movies several times in theaters because I was also young and impressionable grade schooler. So, I mean, you know, my, Favorite Star Wars scene is probably uh, Kylo Ren smashing his helmet in the in the elevator in Last Jedi, and the second one is probably when Darth Maul shows up in the Phantom Menace, like when you the, die when, the when the doors open. Yeah, the thing is, okay, like I'm sorry, like I don't know what it says about me that like my two favorite Star Wars scenes involve villains, but you know, um, I like my knowledge of the original trilogy comes from spike tv like marathons and yeah, yeah. you know it's um like the my first encounter with star wars was the prequel movies
0: oh really okay
1: yeah okay yeah um and i mean like i am a blasphemer whose favorite star wars movie is the last jedi
0: so that's t- I mean that's you brave, braver than troops. Um, yeah, but I think we gesture Star Wars here just to sort of establish, right? Like, I think the problem even extends, or at least again, my beef, my bitterness extends even to stuff that theoretically I should feel closer to and feel more seen by. Frankly, <laughs> again, it's somebody I had the Star Wars trading cards. I was reading the novelizations. Okay. <laughs> Back in the day, the paperbacks and the book bag with the (laughs) lunchbox. Holla. Oh, man. Um, But I feel the same way about Star Wars, more or less the same way about Star Wars that I feel about the Marvel stuff, the DC stuff. And then all of the, again, the thing I I feel almost more complicated about is all the stuff that's not Marvel or DC superhero stuff Mm -hmm. that is clearly getting made because everyone needs to have a take on the superhero mm. genre or is you know what I mean it, everybody needs to have a take on what marvel Well, is yeah doing. i mean like
1: a necess- like it's a necessary like inclusion to any new superhero property endeavor effort whatever is a commentary on the superhero genre like it's just yeah the you know and that's have that- to
0: but that came up when we talked about the boys and then we yeah. talked about Invincible, right? Where yes. it's like it's like, it, invincible, like that's such a strong case to me of that show is tight. Yeah. But but I have that it's, melancholy it has, about like, it's,
1: it. It's it's it really is because it's it does feel like, you know, um uh say for instance, episode five, that looks like it hurts, or that looked like it hurt. Um, when the new uh, Guardians of the Globe are being slowly ripped apart by the giant purple tiger guy thing. Like, it's just kind of, the show has such a, like, it's so, like, crazily animated and the colors are, like, beautiful and, like, the voice acting is amazing and the soundtrack is great. But it has, like, that, you can't shake the feeling that, like, those sorts of scenes are just kind of like, oh, they are nominally going there. You know? Like, it's like, They're going over the tops to say that because this going over the top is what this show does, like the train scene in the finale, or like you know, just the general. I mean, like it happens in the comics, like Omni Man like beating his son halfway across the globe, um, and then ditching. But still, you know what I'm saying. You get what I'm saying, though.
0: Yeah, but my my tinge is that is knowing that. Invincible for instance that's a show that can get the the talent and the ambition and the budgets and the promo and the hype that it can get because a company said well we need superhero stuff you know what i mean and like sure if you're interested in telling those stories and you you can you think you have a strong take great but I guess I just think of it as like it's kinda lo- low-key, like be- everybody at gunpoint is turning over their superhero takes. Cause like that's <laughs> what you know what I mean? That's what the market is doing. It's like turn out your pockets and give us your super superhero takes. <laughs> and whether they're good or not, I just that something about that to me just seems kinda dystopian. I don't know. <laughs> you know? Well yeah. Yeah. Um one thing okay. So Freddie and I lived together in college. Freddie and I, both Black, both Southern. But Freddie and I had one particularly strong disagreement when we lived together. So when we lived together, it was during the peak of mixtape Wheezy. Okay? And, and... Careful now. And one thing, you know, Freddie listens to the pod, and we were talking about, you know, I was talking through my objections. Freddie and I have had lots of profound conversations throughout our lifetime. And he was like, look, I get where you're coming from. But I lived with you during mixtape Wheezy. And I remember how much you hated that era. (laughs) And a lot of how you talk about the superhero stuff does remind me of how I used to talk about Wayne. Which is like, I'm tired of this. I'm fed up. There's too many Wayne songs. Ah, these freestyles overrated. Ah, you know. (laughs)
1: uh, uh, uh. Yeah, you just—it wasn't
0: even the like. I had no stake in the Jay Z versus you know best rapper versus best rapper alive since the best rapper retired. Because at that point, I was like, okay, Kingdom Come is ass. I'm I'm a little fed up on Jay Z.
1: (laughs) Don't nobody care if you had Danica Patrick in your music
0: video. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) yo. I was fed up with Jay and Wayne. He was like, all I wanted to listen to was, like, Cameron, MF Doom, Jedi Mind Tricks, and Tupac, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and, like, Three wow. Six Mafia. Then, wow. Wow. <laughs> um, but but I actually, so, you know, I get what he meant because I was, like, very salty at the time. I was just so over peak Wayne. And I think the place I got to is, like, I actually think it's more in line with my frustration with Drake, right? So when I worked at Complex, right, I, my my colleague Insano, he was one of those people. This is like around, what, like 2014? This is like zero to 100, Drake, right? And I remember at the time, Insano in the office was, was always sort of on about people who wanted to sort of dismiss Drake by comparing him to Ja Rule, right? And he was like, look, Drake is already in this zone where it's like his his run is is beyond that he hit another stratosphere like ja rule's hits were huge right but drake by that point had hit a different stratosphere of
1: like, you mean successful like in terms of run. like yeah how, just, the, how like long, this was, just how long just how
0: long he was br- the frequency with which drake would put out projects had singles that were that were burning you know what i mean like drake had a sense of it wasn't just like a couple of. Well, hot it was a sense
1: of like it was continuity. It was like something that was at this point sustaining itself. It right. was its own cottage industry. Yes. like which is like I like yeah I take your point as far as like the entire journey from from mixtape Wayne Deere like is like in terms of like yeah it's like you are seeing a lot of superhero things that are going to beget more superhero things that will have a lineage between them that you will have to understand in order to watch the newer superhero things that are
0: coming out. Right, and that to me is always, it's actually a low-key, really important thing about Drake, and it's a big difference to me between what Wayne's run was like like I can admit, in retrospect, I was just sort of aggy and unfair to Lil Wayne. I think an important thing about Drake is that so much of his music is written from the perspective of a chatty patty, right? Like, so much of his music is kind of serializing his life and his fame. And, like, Kanye does this, too, and it's always been the most irritating thing about Kanye's music to me. But Drake really does it. It's like Drake and Taylor Swift are the two people where it's like it especially... As their discographies compound over time, you just feel like you are—you have to read nine hundred Wikipedia articles and TMZ headlines to understand all of the, internecine, interpersonal celebrity drama that's being explicitly, yeah, dished on yeah, this, dished yeah, on, on, on uh, those on those songs and on those albums, and that to me is closer to what I'm saying about the superhero stuff, right? Where it's not just that oh man, every summer is just going to be Drake music. It's the fact that all of that Drake music is self-referential and that it, in a real way, is asking me not just to sort of like a Drake song enough to hear it constantly, it's asking me to be invested on a really tedious level in the inner life and interpersonal drama of Drake. And I don't care. I don't care enough to juggle like the narrative thrust of 30 different Drake singles in my head so i can know like which obscure canadian woman is being referenced in one particular line on verse 2 <laughs> of the third single from scorpion i i don't i'm not i'm too old for this shit and that's kind of that's exactly the thing that i mean when i say i resent when i watch avengers endgame and again and you have to watch it right because if you're a critic It's 50 this shit is 50% of culture at this point, right? And I resent when I watch Avengers Endgame and I'm like, man, like, no, I didn't see the first Iron Man movie when it came out in theaters. I didn't care then. And now it's just the backlog. Like all this stuff. If you're a fan, I again, if you're a fan, it's like it must be the greatest thing in the world. But otherwise, it's just kind of a pile of homework after a point, you know? Sure. Yeah. I mean,
1: I cannot really argue with like you have to watch 19 movies in order to understand the 20th one. <laughs> yeah. But I will like counter that to say that there probably is a certain level of like uh annoyance with having to participate in the attention economy around it. Um that like clouds the fact that people can also just have superhero genre brain thing is that like, if you watch one of these things, you can probably pick up on what's happening. Even if you like, aren't really getting all the quippy in jokes. Um, like you can pick it up. It's just that it, you won't get why it needs to, you won't really get why it's such a big deal or like why it needs to be such a big deal. But I mean, like, it's not as if it's inaccessible.
0: Yeah. And I think, if if I if I try to concede the stuff where if I try to isolate where I'm being the most uncharitable, I think we I we got an email like a couple of months ago. I think um or it, it was it was relatively it was recent enough that it was during when Falcon was running, right? And one of our listeners was conceding that, like, oh yeah, I see where you're coming from. And also, yeah, they kind of made Falcon corny. Like Anthony Ma- Mackey kind of made him a little corny. But he was just saying that, you know, our, our listener was saying, like, yo, I watch a show with my son. And, you know, like, it's it's nice. It's nice that you can watch the big budget thing that he's going to watch because it's the thing that's hot in the streets right now. And it's a black superhero and it's a black superhero who's inheriting a mantle. That like that name Captain America, like that has that has a currency to it. You know, in the piece I wrote where I was, I was sort of panning the show by the end, you know, my argument was that like I I felt the show was kind of low key disrespectful because it's sort of like yo Falcon is a superhero too, and you, the whole show is basically people trying to like make him basically trying to write off his own legacy and be like nah you don't mean shit until you it's name just is like Captain you need America. to graduate yeah yeah and yeah. meanwhile you have this Isaiah character where the whole point is that like, he's a hero who was fucked over by the army. And everybody sort of threw dirt on his name and threw him into the dustbin of history. And it, But that's kind of what the show does to the name The Falcon, right? That's kind of what it does to, to Sam Wilson's call sign is it kind of says, eh, this didn't mean anything. You didn't mean anything until you got the name Captain America. And you know why? Because the white man's ice is colder. I thought that was a really condescending message from a show that wanted to pretend to be about... Black pride and black empowerment. That said, well, I
1: mean, yeah, that that said they had they still had the joke in there about like, hey, it's black falcon, and he's just kind of like, Are you black kid? And he's just like, oh, but like it's it is like kind of yeah. I mean, like it 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 lessened or belittled like something that was like more or less I mean, there is a reason why he is he's survived into phase four or whatever, you know. There's supposed to be a sort of conjoining of the two things. Not to yes. say that one doesn't mean anything and the other one is like, all right, it's time for you to graduate to this thing and leave your busted wings. And the That's kind of what the show the- did.
0: Yeah. I felt like that's what the show did, though, to be honest. I didn't think the movies did that at all. I definitely felt like the show did that. We well, yeah. can't get a loan, bro. <laughs> the scene where he can't even get a business loan. So upset, um, but th- but I say all that just to say that. But I thought, I thought our listener who was talking about, like, look, if you have a son, if you have a kid, like, again, and that sort of brought me back to the you know what, I get it, this stuff is ubiquitous, but I'm not always going to be the target audience for it. And maybe that, and that, and that's sort of the conflict, right? Is the ubiquity of it, and the fact that all of these shows have to sort of distinguish from one another. They want to, you know, they're, they want to be more mature. They want to be more political. And so it feels like a false signal, right? It feels like Disney saying, no, actually, Justin charity, you are in the target audience for this. Now you don't even have a choice, <laughs> uh, but we I, have
1: congressional hearings.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yes. We have congressional hearings. We talk about Tuskegee syphilis study, you know what I mean? But yeah, I think sometimes maybe it is that simple that, that, I'm not saying that going forward we're going to like dumb down our commentary about the superhero stuff I think people if anything listen to this podcast because even when they like stuff they also like to hear two <laughs> young upstanding black men talk shit because that is just um, that, that's you know, its own that's, experience
1: yeah that's we too are America
0: <laughs> Um, I don't know is there anything else that you or I are like any remainders that we've wanted to carry over from all the conversations about particular superhero stuff?
1: Hmm. No, I think we should probably, at this point, like, move on to stuff that we like. Things that we've yeah. been, yeah. like, you know, things that have been sustaining us recently.
0: Yeah, and also, listeners, like, this is sort of more of a symposium of just the two of us, but we, like, again, we, like, reading and responding to emails. Go ahead and start sending us emails under the assumption that we will read them on air for a mailbag episode, soundonlypod at gmail.com. I think for the rest of the app, though, you and I can just talk about what we've been getting into lately. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, to 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month, So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Are you looking for a view of the world that's a bit different?
0: play Resident Evil, right? Just no, I do
1: not I do not fuck with Resident Evil. What about horror? I, I I mean I've I've you know not even really I don't play horror games that often, you know? Okay. Like it's it's I primarily I think you know what? I gave I gave um whichever Resident Evil was that like was it the, the problematic one that was in Africa
0: five Resident Evil <laughs> yes. five though no, it is the worst there was one a, there yeah. is a, yeah there yep. was mm. a,
1: a friend of mine a friend of mine in high school like uh they had me over at his house he was just like all right listen you put this off long enough you're gonna try to play this game and I was just like I was going through like the first uh like level running around in this kind of uh you know favela type situation and then all of a sudden i'm getting my neck hacked in half by a a giant eight foot dude with a chainsaw and a black bag over his face and i was just like nope i'm cool i'm good off of resident evil once again
0: no five is uh, it generally people will argue that resident evil 6 is the worst one boggles the mind resident evil 6 has good stuff in it five is one of the worst games i've ever played it's not even the problematic stuff. It just feels bad to play. Just mechanically. Everything is wrong with that game. Resident Evil 8 came out last week. Uh, I've written about it for the site. Go to the ringer.com. Um, My my short hot take, I won't overburden it here since you yeah. haven't played it. Uh, I, I liked it a lot by the end. I thought the beginning of RE8 is also known as Resident Evil Village. I don't know why they have two names for this game, but I thought the beginning was insufferable. Uh, it's just very, like, the thing... Here's the thing, Mike. Resident Evil thing? games, they I, they have, like, a kind of reputation at this point for being narratively convoluted, but every individual Resident Evil game, it gets convoluted toward the end because you got bioterrorism and the Umbrella Corporation and they making zombies and this is how they get you. But in the beginning of every Resident Evil game, you're supposed to, I think, classically, This is the case in Resident Evil 1, 2, 3, 4, 0. You're supposed to feel simple in the beginning. You're supposed to feel straightforward. You're supposed to feel like, okay, plopped into a situation, maybe have a gun. You got to do a really simple thing. You got to escape a house or you got to get in a house and find your wife and then get back out of (laughs) the house. It's supposed to feel super straightforward. Resident Evil 7 You're looking for your wife You drive down to Louisiana Because you think your wife Is holed up in this This Louisiana Bayou estate Why are
1: you always Separated from your wife? What, like, Why, why is Listen. it that you, you just not Are you working too much And not paying attention To like OK, all right. You know, I'm just saying That's okay. I'm just trying to figure out why you're always separated for your wife and looking for your wife at the beginning of the game.
0: Right. But it's always super simple. The tension is like, do this very simple thing. And then the drama of Resident Evil game is that everything then goes off the rails and you are. It's more complicated. Right. Resident Evil 8 has so much overwhelming stuff happen at the beginning, like nine different things happen and people get shot. Baby's getting kidnapped <laughs> You <laughs> in a, a snowstorm.
1: what is <laughs> I mean this this is like a how many does this what how far are we into the game at this point? I mean is in the
0: first hour like I thought the first hours is it's just too much stuff happens. It's like that is not how a Resident Evil game works. You're not supposed to have an entire video game happen as the as the opening cutscene of the game, man. Uh yeah, I mean I thought the I thought the beginning was insufferable. I think the experience overall though is is very nice. It's very actiony, it's very pow pow, shoot shoot as opposed so, to So so
1: so so what you're saying, so what you're saying is that um like it takes a lot of getting up to speed. In order to enjoy this game And then it's also the eighth one So it's exactly what you were talking about In the first
0: half of this podcast It's, It's a little bit It's just like the stuff they try to shove into the game Before you even get into the first sort of interior location I was just annoyed But then once you sort of spend more time in the interior locations As opposed to just wandering around outside In a village overrun with all these monsters and stuff I was just like come on bro it's not nah, bro you're not leon kennedy bro you can't be roundhouse kicking this isn't spain this is romania come on uh how about you would you
1: uh i have uh been reading chainsaw man by Toski fujimoto
0: oh we got to talk about this because i keep I keep meaning to order the fir- or track down the first volume of Chainsaw Man, and I never, mm. I never do it. So please explain Chainsaw Man.
1: Why? Wait. Why do you not do it? Why, what's what is stopping you? What's okay. The
0: I'm I'm gonna. This is gonna feel like I'm. This is like a a weird stray. But like I, I got the first volume of Dora Hidoro, and oh
1: I, right 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 because you you didn't like the art style. You were yeah. like.
0: You, I didn't, you, especially like the background. It's that it, 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 it just feels like the art style of, of Dora Hidoro was really shaggy and sort of grimy in a way that I, I just don't. That's not a style of like manga art style that I like. And when I kept looking at panels from Chainsaw Man, it does
1: was, kind of have a bit of like shagginess to it. There's there's a lot of uh, okay, well. The story is about this broke boy named Dingy um, and his pet chainsaw dog, who is actually a chainsaw devil. In this world, there are devils roaming around, and there are civilian devil hunters, um, and there are public safety department devil hunters that are funded by the state. They get more perks. They get more money. Um, the civilians get easier jobs. So, Dingy incurs a debt that his father left to him and it ends up in service to this old dude that basically runs him as a devil hunter and he uses his chainsaw dog to hunt devils but I mean like there's a very like a hilarious sequence in the very beginning where he's talking about how he gave up his left eye for a hundred million yen and then like his left kidney for like eight hundred thousand you know like just going through organs that he had taken out and things that he sold and all this other stuff and he's just like that puts me 37 million in the hole like it's like it's it's basically like he'll never be able to if he worked continuously from that day when he's like when he turned 16 apparently until he died he wouldn't be able to pay off the debt like at the rate that he was going so he eventually has to go hunt this devil that he can't that is too ex, like it's too large for him to take out on, on his own he dies ends up chopped up and thrown into a dumpster with his chainsaw dog but they fuse together in the dumpster and he becomes half human half devil you get it he's the special one that's going to kill the 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 biggest devil in the game which is the gun devil and that's like his the central like thrust of the show um, but there's also intrigue and stuff about all sorts of interesting workplace violations and tawdry drama between co-workers. It's very fun. But the art style um is reminiscent of like Tank Girl and like gorillas oh, type stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I mean, like, if you look at, like, the, the character modeling for Denji looks a lot like 2D from the Gorillas.
0: See, all you had to say was Tank Girl and also story about debt. Like, you're talking like I'm not logged into the Naviant online portal as we speak. I'm just saying. Like, I'm... But yeah, like
1: it is a very, it's a very fun story about Denji, a young man that just wants to touch some boobs, you know, and oh he can't die before then. He can't die before them.
0: That's that's real. That's a real anime my, a manga premise, right? Um, I I feel bad too because I actually didn't know that stuff. But I'm one of those people who shops for manga really based on like. Do I think I can stick with this art style for a while? Like yeah. I even, I all the times I kept putting Chainsaw Man in the cart, I was just like,
1: I mean, and it also is like Fujimoto's artwork is very like visceral. Like you, you get a sense of like what's happening when chainsaws meet flesh when you're when you're like reading along. You know, it's it's a good time. It's a good what time. You, it's a good what hand. you
0: what you been doing with chainsaws,
1: Michael? Uh...
0: You don't don't want ducking Chainsaw's in Resident Evil 5. You don't want to <laughs> <and you, wait. laughs> run away.
1: <laughs> listen, just, you know, let's let's just move on. Uh, I finished the Demon Slayer Because remember like how it's just kind of like, I don't understand what's going on with this Master Ubi Yashiki character. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um and uh it turns out that it's not like ever fully explained, but you get the gist of like there are two clans, two really old clans. One of them is like the demon clan, and he's just like this this is the swordsman clan, and he's the 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 whatever patriarch, the 32nd whatever of the Ubiyashiki clan. And their sort of aim has been for thou- for a thousand years to kill this stain up on their house which is kibitsushi. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know,
0: it's funny when you were telling me that you were going you were going to wrap the manga. I actually I was a, I was at Anime Castle up in Flushing this weekend. And first mm-hmm. of all, I, I was on some Maybach music. Ish, because I walked in there, I saw the entire run of Marcella go, save for Volume fourteen on that shelf, and I, I did the vice script, just ripped all them off the shelf, took <laughs> it to checkout, and that was a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I, I was, looking, I ain't even go look at the price, ring it up, ain't
0: gonna look at the bring it up. But I actually, uh I was like, oh, I should, I should maybe start Demon Slayer, but they only had they the. the the earliest volume they had was like volume eight. I was like, well, damn. Yeah. I'll get to Demon Slayer eventually. I feel like that would be good to read. Although I'm still reading Black Lagoon. Um, I I got a lot of stuff. I, I spent a lot of money on manga. I can't. I don't know if I'm going to get to Demon Slayer anytime soon. But I'm glad we talked about stuff that we liked at the end. Like, again, I think a lot of people, again, pe- even people who like some of the stuff that we get a little salty about on this pod. I think people respect what we're doing. I think people respect that we have a we have a certain rapport and a certain and, tenor. I'm going to use all the TI words. You know, <laughs> uh, we we have a certain have uh, a critical
1: approach. Uh we have a uh, a certain um uh perspective an esoteric perspective um
0: on that the matters, we, confronting, we, on, on the our matters
1: confronting our culture uh on uh the a quotidian basis. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much. I think people understand we're not, we, you know, this is a, hating is a love language. It really is. But that said, I'm always trying to understand our listeners better. I'm always trying to find common ground. I'm old now. You know what I mean? Like, I can't be. Hating. I mean, like, he's like, just
1: like, you can't be out. You go miss work. You know, you can't be fighting all yeah, the time. I'm a know? man of peace.
0: You know what I mean? I'm a man of peace, um, and I think you are too. Listeners, email us again. We'll, we'll try to do a mailbag, a proper mailbag episode soon. Email us at soundonlypod at com about whatever you About wish. whatever
1: you want. About whatever you, whatever's on your mind, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. Shouts out to our producer, Erica Cervantes. We'll see y'all next week.